Welcome back to Behind the Beard. I'm your host, Jay Fleming, coming to you from Graybeard Studios at Flemingwood in the beautiful Tennessee Mountains. This episode is brought to you by, well, me and the hard work I do to create content that means something to me, and hopefully you at the same time. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode or a series of episodes, click the button to support. Sure appreciate it. If not, enjoy the listen. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you won't. Maybe I will. First and foremost, I am a servant of the Most High. I'm a father, a husband, a brother, a son, a friend, singer-songwriter, a video content creator, and I strive to do things that positively impact others' lives on a daily. Sometimes I'm very successful, other times I straight up blow it. So let's start from the beginning. Growing up in south-central Oklahoma, in an incredibly small town where I had some wonderful memories and experiences, and I also had some horrific memories and experiences. But more on that in future episodes. My love of music starts back when I was very young in Oklahoma. Both my parents were music lovers, and there was frequently music playing on the turntable. That's back in the vinyl days, and frankly, eight tracks and reel-to-reel tapes. I always thought those were the coolest thing ever, the reel-to-reels that my grandparents had in their their big giant console thing um, of gospel and um, old-time country and big band and that sort of thing. Uh, But some of the fondest memories I have is hearing songs from classic groups and the smell of pine saw. Strangely enough, when I hear some of those songs, even today, I can almost smell the pine saw. And it's a comforting memory. And uh, I suspect it'll last with me forever. Uh, But that's where it started. And we had family members who were phenomenal musicians. Uh, I was always very infatuated with them before I started picking up an instrument at several family members who were actually excellent musicians, a uh, cousin, a couple of uncles, some other cousins. So yeah, that's where it started. For me, the moment that I knew I wanted to make music for the rest of my life was when I watched a video of Joe Cocker performing with a little help from my friends at Woodstock. And it was purely mind-boggling. I'd never witnessed anything like that before. I wasn't sure what I was even seeing. I just knew, I don't know what that is, but that's what I want to do for the rest of my natural life. And the story began. So when I was a kid, I grew up on a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. And when we had the chance to go to town, I would beg my dad, to let me go peruse the music store. And oftentimes he'd drop me off and go do shopping or whatever and come back and get me. And in in that music store, I was the typical obnoxious kid. I wanted to play everything, grab everything. How much is everything? Pretending like I'm going to buy something. I may have bought a guitar pick or something at some point just to have something. Uh, But they didn't ban me, uh, which is great. They, They probably had every right to, but they didn't. And I'm grateful for that. And in that store was a guy named John Ford, and he was a professional musician. He also did a lot of instrument work and just a great dude. And uh, he's the one who really encouraged me to pursue it if that's what I wanted to do. 
He was also really funny and always ready to show me some new thing or, or explain something to me or let me ask a billion questions and actually answer me, not in a condescending way. And for that, I'll forever be grateful. Um, yeah, thanks for encouraging me and inspiring me, John. Hopefully you hear me up in heaven, buddy. So one Christmas from John, my dad had purchased a pearl white Memphis Strat copy and a crate solid state half stack. Now the half stack was the not traditional half stack. It was two 10 inch individual speakers and individual boxes with a small solid state head. And I just thought those things were the coolest thing ever. It was like, I'm now the modern day Jimi Hendrix. And I played badly to everything I heard on the radio. And it was awesome. So I remember going to, for those of you who remember this, Tower Records. And it was a long ways up the road. And I was fortunate enough to get to go up. There were some other things going on, so I was they let me go. I had never been in anything like that before. And when I walked in, I was just completely blown away. I had never seen anything like it. But I distinctly remember I purchased uh, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, a Dire Straits uh, album. And I don't remember which one it was. Uh, these were all cassettes, by the way. And Billy Squire. Uh, I don't remember the Billy Squire record name, but those three things. And I just thought I was the bee's knees. Like I got the coolest. Everything just came out. I went and stood in line, got my copies. I couldn't wait to show everybody, let everybody hear what I bought. And so they could be as, as thrilled about it as me. And we listened to a little bit and they were like, nah, we're good. Let's turn the radio off. So one of my fondest memories about music was with my grandfather. They, my grandfather and grandmother had purchased a new Chrysler fifth Avenue and it had really nice speakers, and, uh, and the radio sounded fantastic. But they certainly didn't listen to the kind of music I did. But my grandfather says, hey, bring over the, one of those cassette things, and let's put it in here and see how good it sounds. So I did, and I was just thrilled beyond comprehension. So I bring over my Billy Squire uh, tape and my Winger tape, and Grandpa pops in Billy Squire, and he's rocking it out and adjusting the EQ and the balance of the speakers and he seemed to be enjoying it. I'm sure he wasn't. He was probably just doing that for my benefit. But then he puts in the winger and uh, cranks it up. And he's listening for a little while. And his face just looked kind of odd. And he turned it down and ejected the tape. He goes, well, boy, that lady sure got a raspy voice. And I was dying inside, but I didn't have the heart to tell him that's a guy. But he's looking at the cover and he could just see the perplexion on his face. And uh, God love him. I knew he didn't enjoy it, but he he did it for me, and I'm grateful for that. I'll never forget that. That's one of the fondest memories regarding music, anyway, that I have about my grandfather. And that, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Now, my dad was always a, a fan of different kinds of music, and he always turned me on to just really cool stuff. But I specifically remember uh, he got a Rycooter tape. Uh, and I don't recall which, which album it was, but we had an old 65 Chevy Stepside pickup. We put the, the Jetson 6 by 9s Remember those? They were just, they were the stuff back in the day, along with the Jensen tape deck. And we'd rock that Rycooter album all the way to McAllister and win in the hair. It was just one of the coolest memories ever growing up. Now, I've always really enjoyed singing. Uh, I never really thought I was a decent singer. I still don't in a lot of ways these days, but I am grateful that people enjoy it. 
But they used to do, uh, when I was young, these talent scout things in the Midwest. And uh, you go in, you pay them, they they tell you, critique you and take a videotape of your performance and allegedly shop it to uh, talent scouts and labels, uh, which I, I don't think ever happened for anybody. I just was a money-making thing for them. And I realized at that point with my first little foyer into the music industry uh, that I didn't really have an interest in being part of that aspect of it, but I, I so much enjoyed singing and playing music, even though I was terrible, that I was just going to do that regardless, even if it was just for myself. And so I did. However, like all of us, life shows up. You have bills to pay, food to buy, all the things that we're encouraged to do as good little worker bees. And I did those things like a good little worker bee for a long time. Uh, just existing, busy doing the existing thing, and uh, forgot how to live. But at a certain point, I became unable physically to continue to do the things that I had been doing, and I was left with no real other option to support my family than go back to my calling. And I'm grateful that I did. I've had a multitude of wonderful opportunities, some that I've been able to capitalize on and others that I just completely blew. But more of those in future podcasts. If you'd like to hear more about those specific stories, I'm happy to share them with you. Leave me a message, let me know, and I'll be glad to feature it in a future podcast. Thank you for joining me for this short introduction into my journey so far. There's a lot more details I'll be sharing in future episodes. But in the meantime, know that you're loved and appreciated. Be kind to one another and do the right thing always.